and we'll all get recordings. You know, I'm, okay. I'll make that available. All righty. So, um, so don't be shy. This will be a very interactive. Um, well, and be fun too. So, um, this this journey started um, really for me and really for you guys off a of desire. Um, this thought uh, dropped in my mind probably right about three years ago, and the thought was this: um, It's time. For, it was how'd it go? It's time for you to have some spiritual friends. Okay. And when I heard that thought, I first thought of, oh, I need to uh, upgrade my, my friends, my circle of friends. And I was thinking along, you know, I was looking at my friends and thinking, well, I know, they're pretty strong, they're growing, you know. But the voice says, no, it's time for you to have some new spiritual friends. And I'm thinking, well, okay, I'll pray and believe. And it was like, oh, you're talking angels, you're talking citizens of heaven, you're talking... Oh, and I, I didn't really know it was allowed to have, if you will, relationship with uh, those in the spirit realm, okay? So, you know, right off out of, out of nowhere, my belief system was, was slapped, if you will, because um, I'd heard about encounters, but all the encounters I'd heard were kind of, you know, drive-bys, right? You, you, you're doing something, so everyone go on mute, so that won't happen. Um, so, um, so in, in the, and as it went on, it was like, I had to respond to the invitation, but I had to respond in, in, with believing it. Was it possible for me in, in America, uh, without pedigree, without different things to have real relationship with beings, entities that I didn't see and didn't know? Um, I didn't go into, I wasn't in a fellowship or a church or a congregation that talked about that. I mean, angels were acceptable, but usually when we think of angels, we think of angels only showing up when you're in, in, in an accident or in a dire need, you know. They don't show up when you're sitting there in your bed. They are there, but we don't, we don't have faith to believe that they're interactive, right, their whole life. We need to, we're going to change that t t tonight. But it's the whole, it's the whole um, part, right? It's not just uh, on Saturday or Sunday or whatever. It's um, every moment of your life, uh, we are fully interactive in, in both realms, right? Um, and we, the more that we believe that, the more that we can engage with that. So again, this kind of started with me with starting to believe the fact that I could have just not spiritual encounters, but spiritual friends, okay? And um, some of you have a better definition, understanding of friends. Um, I really didn't, because I've moved around a whole lot. Uh, my father being military, so I, you know, I would be in one place for a year, then go away for a year and back and stuff. So my relationships were uh, um, sporadic, if you will, and then and temporary. But the but the spiritual kingdom is we got to think of it you know, from an eternal perspective, not a temporal perspective. So that's another mindset that has to change. Um, we have to think more long-term, you know. Um, the, the angels and the whole uh, citizens of the kingdom that are, uh, have a, uh, you know, we know the term scroll, we know the term destiny, um, we know those words, but there are um, 
people, entities, creatures, other creations of God that have you on their scroll, okay? And so they're waiting for you to to invite them, welcome them, open yourself up to meet them. Um, it's kind of like going to a dance and, um, um, you know, back when I was, I'm 52, so a long time ago at little high school dances, um, you know, all the guys would be against the wall and all the girls would be against the wall and there'd be no one dancing. There'd be no one in engaging. And that's kind of how we are in the body of Christ. The, the spirit kingdom is waiting for us to, to step out on the floor and say, I'll dance with you, right? Um, when are we going to engage with the, the, the angelic which are assigned to us? When are we going to engage with uh, other people who have gone ahead, who have mantles, who have secrets, who have common knowledge that um, we don't have the faith to listen to them or to hear from them because either our grid has been shut down or we just haven't opened up or we're just not looking for that. And, and we have to be open and expectant for everything. So anyway, so back to the desire. So all of a sudden I had this desire to, to see if it was possible to have spiritual friends. Um, but so my belief system changed, started changing then. Um, but all of the, the spirits of God, um, first of all, we need to believe and, um, and know, and we'll talk about that. Proverbs 8:17, um, really referring to the spirit of wisdom. It says, um, I love those who love me, and those who seek me early and diligently shall find me. And so we got to realize that the seven spirits of God, well, you know, hopefully this group believes in that, in the seven spirits, but uh, engaging the seven is not about, um, sometimes when we see the word or hear the word uh, seek after, um, it's kind of, we kind of get the mentality of either shopping, you know, I'm going to seek after a new dress. I, I don't do that, but I'm speaking to a lady audience here. So I'm going to seek after a new dress, right? So I go to the store, I go to the mall, I go someplace, and I, I see something, I try it out, I, I now have it, you know, and now it's in my closet, and I will wear it on that occasion, right? Um, that is not the same way we're dealing with uh, the things of the kingdom, okay? When we seek out, when we seek the Father, when we seek the Holy Spirit, when we seek Jesus, when we seek the seven spirits, when we seek... Uh, uh, men in white linen, when we seek anything in, in the Father's uh, domain, it's more of, I'm not seeking it to acquire something to say to people, hey, I, I bought a dress, I, I have a seven spirit, I'm leaving them at home. You know, it's not a testimony thing, it's not a bragging thing, it's a relationship, right? And so when we, we seek with the uh, desire to know and engage and to be a part of and to... Um, know there's benefit from relationship, it's different from saying, uh, well, I met uh, Spirit of Wisdom, and she was nice. Well, it's not about this meeting, it's about a relationship, right? So it's kind of changing our focus, because like when you buy a dress, we all know that that dress is going to wear out at some point, you know? Even if you wear it on very special occasions, it's not, you don't wear that dress all the time. The relationships in the kingdom are, again, eternally based and are available all the time. They're not just there when you want them. Like, well, I'll use the spirit of wisdom. I'm going to minister, so I'll need wisdom on that Friday. So I'm going to go talk to her about that. It's not like that. It's just like um, a husband-wife relationship. 
as in you don't you don't marry for convenience. Well, you're not supposed to. Let me rephrase that. You're not supposed to do that. Um, sometimes we do, you know, um, but we're not supposed to engage with spiritual beings for our convenience. It's there for a mutual benefit, right? And we have to have that mindset and not the um, um, I'm I'm collecting, right? I'm collecting angel encounters. I'm collecting men and women encounters. I'm collecting. Uh, spiritual realm encounters, I'm collecting dust, I'm collecting wine, I'm collecting, and we're not called to be collectors of encounters, we're called to have encounters and give encounters and to be an encounter and to be, have relationship, not just, uh, then, you know, those things, we have to get that, that thing mentality out of the way, you know, uh, it's relationship, it's, it's team building, we need each other, right, and we're not worshiping anybody, we're, we need each other in the right way. Because, I mean, years ago, I learned that um, every relationship affects every other relationship. And we all know that's true at, at one point. We may not have heard that statement, but your relationship with the living Jesus is affecting every relationship you have, right? Now, because you, you know, he's the Lord of your life and you're learning to walk with him, the love that you receive from him and the love you give for him, that interaction affects your spouse, your friends, your coworkers, your environment, because it's a relationship. And that's the same thing that happens with everything. So your relationship with the Holy Spirit affects your relationship with Jesus. Your relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit affects your relationship with the Father. Your relationship with the Father and Jesus affects your relationship with Paula, right? And all those things, it just, it's, it just spirals on. And now you have a relationship with some guy who's talking to you from <clears throat> Virginia in North America via Skype, you know, over a system. So now you're, you're, you're building your relationship, and out of the honor you have for the Father, the honor you have for Jesus, the honor you have for the Holy Spirit, that same honor interaction, you're going to pass it on to the family, because I'm in your family, Paul is in your family, Sally and all the names that I forgot already are in, are in Anna, we're in the family, and if we honor the Father, we'll, we'll transfer that same honor to everyone he's created, right? And that's a good, healthy relationship and not a dysfunctional and, and weird type thing because we're not going to be dysfunctional. We're, we're going to grow our relationship. And that's where that scripture, you know, talks about um, um, how does one man, you know, as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen one another. We need these uh, relationships to be fine-tuned, um, to be uh, strengthened in areas um, so we can actually grow from strength to strength and go from glory to glory. And it's and we don't um, you know we don't get weirded out about you know talking about the seven spirits as in you know ooh it's scary it's weird you know I already had the conversation with my pastor and so that's still an ongoing conversation um, anyway but um, but it, it is um, that normal I'm I'm gonna read you uh, a, a conversation I had with uh, um, Spirit of Wisdom and because you know I'm trying to break this this you know this little mystical thing about it it's it, this is our normal right um, it's not super spiritual this is just our normal sons um, bride of Christ normal stuff and and, and as in any relationship you can um, relate to the spirits uh, more or less, right? Um, and so this is a conversation. So I said to the Spirit of Wisdom, your voice sounds familiar, right? And the voice said, well, I've spoken to you before. And I was like, what do you mean you spoke to me before? And I said, um, 
well, you could have told me. I assumed that you were the Holy Spirit, right? Because we, we're we all walking in relationship, and the the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Holy Spirit, the voice of Jesus, those, they're, they're three, and they're one. And, and, I mean, I had to get used to the fact that I, I grew up watching TV a lot, so um, I thought the voice of God had to be a, a large, booming bass voice and had to sound like Charlton Heston. And when I... When I didn't hear God's voice like that, I assumed it was just me, you know. And then I got more confused when um, God sounded like me, and I was like, "It can't be God. I'm. I know that voice, you know." But, but the word's clear that you know my sheep know my voice, and that's from every relationship you get to know the ones that you're speaking to. So I said again, you know, well, I thought you know the only ones who were allowed to speak to me was Holy Spirit because I knew you know John 16 and 17 that you know Jesus left and he left us the Paraclete, you know. So I had that belief system down. And the Spirit of Wisdom, which I didn't know was funny, um, she said to me, "Well, I am a Holy Spirit." I said, and I said, "Well, that's that's a nice joke, but this is serious now. I'm trying to learn this here." And I said, I know what you mean, but I, then I thought, well, I thought you would have identified yourself. I thought you would have said, you know, hi, this is Spirit of Wisdom, I'm talking to you. Um, and, and then I would, have, I would have been more, well, I've probably been scared then, but I would have at least known there was a different one. And um, she said, um, well, you know, we, the seven spirits, you know, they don't seek recognition. And um, she was kind of funny because she said, well, we're not like you and and um, we don't wear name tags and have business cards and that kind of thingy. And I have this little issue that I, I wear all my name tags all the time, so which is good and bad. Um, it's good, you know my name, and my you know so my Facebook name is Numistic. My um, given name is Wallace Johnson, and but since me and my dad have the same name, I go by Wally Johnson. And so when I do things at the church, I have my own little name tag. You know, I don't have a little sticky one. I use one that's a little magnetic. And so, um, but we, we in our Western culture, and it includes you guys in New Zealand too, um, we have an identity issue crisis. You know, um, we need to know who we are and be comfortable in that. But a lot of us don't know who we are. And so sometimes we, we, we copy people stuff, whether it be a copying a, a hairstyle or a clothing style or even a ministry style, um, because it's, it's harder to find out who we are. Our life is hidden in Christ Jesus. It's not hidden from us. It's hidden so we can seek out you know, who we are. And so sometimes we, we won't invest the time to find out who we are. We'll take a shortcut and just do... Um, um, uh, it's easy to copy or imitate than to be who we really are. And so you guys are all free to be who you are. Um, I want to go through a bit of, of uh, I'm going to go through a couple of scriptures. There's, the, I guess, the main one that I had um, for a foundation in the seven spirits was uh, Isaiah 11, 1 through 4. And hopefully you got some notebooks or something there, some scratch paper, and you're kind of jotting down some notes. Um, and but I'd, I'd read that scripture before, and I guess it was good or bad that I gone to Bible school and I went to Bible school overseas, not quite as far as you guys are overseas, but I went to Bible school in Sweden, um, <clears throat> and we didn't talk about seven spirits there, but I I'd read the Bible a couple times. Um, there's a scripture in Revelations. 
that um, I'm going to read these three, and they're kind of fun. Revelations chapter 1, um, verse 4 and 5, it says that, uh, this is John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits that are before his throne and from Jesus Christ. So that's one verse. Um, another verse in Revelations 3, 1, and to the angel of the church in Sardis write, these things he says, who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name and that you are alive and you are dead. That you, yeah. And then Revelations 4, verse 5, um, and out of the throne proceed lightnings and voices and thunders. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And then uh, the last one in Revelations, uh, Revelations 5, 6. And I saw in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures in the midst of the elders a lamb standing as though it had been slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. That's Revelations 5, 6. So, um, when I first heard about the seven spirits, I didn't care. I was still working on my relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So I didn't really need, other than that little hint about I needed more spiritual friends. <clears throat> and then, um, <clears throat> excuse me, had a few little um, uh, encounters, not with spirits, but with uh, some teachers who were talking about that. And the first one was, was Ian Clayton. And during my first conference with Ian uh, that I attended, he talked about that. But out of the, I don't know, it seemed like thousands of things he brought up um, that were blowing my mind, that was probably number 1,008. And I thought, I need to work on, you know, one, two, and three. And for me, it was kind of the deal of, <clears throat> I didn't realize a benefit of um, seven spirits. Um, I didn't know, you know. So, if it's not beneficial to me, I usually don't pursue it. Um, and so, I, I would say that for for all of us, you know, we you know pursue things which you have revelation on, pursue things which you you know there's a benefit, pursue things which you know uh, you're supposed to, because um, that gives you the motivation to to go for that. Excuse me. Uh, you're not on mute for sure. <laughs> um, something that will help you a lot in, in your walk is, is Hebrews 11, 6. Um, and this is the classic you know, faith scripture. It's, um, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he is, um, that he, he is or he exists. And he rewards those who, who earnestly or diligently seek him. So one one day when I was, uh, what did I do? Uh, yeah. I, my, so I don't pray as in prayer anymore. I spend time with the Father. Um, I had to, you, you got to do things to help, uh, uh, well, maybe you, maybe you guys are freer than I am, but I had to do things to engage my, um, extremely uh, religious mindsets and belief systems. And so when <clears throat> the term prayer came up, um, I would always picture an older person, um, usually some older lady uh, with a cane, 
uh, with a hunch. Um, and very nice. She made good cookies. But that was my image of, of a prayer warrior, right? And I always had the image secondary of sleeping. So when someone say, let's go and pray, I had the image of an old lady who was going to fall asleep. And I didn't want to be an old lady who fall asleep. <clears throat> so with that wrong belief system, I thought there were two types of people in the kingdom. There were those who prayed, who were old ladies and fell asleep, and those who did mighty exploits for God. Well, I wanted to be in the mighty exploits for God camp and not in the sleeping camp. So, But when I was looking at biographies of people, these guys prayed, and I was quite sure how they would pray and not become old ladies who fall asleep. And so I realized I had to change my mindset. So I started reading you know, the New Testament, and I, and I saw the, that scripture in Matthew 17 when Jesus was, was transfigured. It says out in 17.1 that he took you know, three disciples up on a mountain, and he was transfigured. I thought, I want that. Um, I don't want an old lady prayer life that falls asleep. I want a, a time where I go someplace and I'm full of glory and Moses shows up and Elijah shows up and God shows up in a cloud and it's all good. Whatever you call that, I want that. And so what I did personally for me to help change my mindset is I... I'm working at removing the word prayer out of my vocabulary and changing it with engaging with the kingdom. And so um, it's been an uphill battle because when you tell your your beloved that you no longer pray, but you you know, you know, she wanted to do deliverance on me and and I had to explain to her real quick, no, it's not that I don't pray, but I want to engage with the Father at the same level that Jesus engaged with the Father. And the word prayer has some negative connotations to me. And so I want to have my mind set on something uh, above and not beneath. And I'm, I'm, I'm renewing my mind by changing the vocabulary. I'm, I'm changing that. So when I was engaging with God on that scripture, Hebrews 11, 6, the Lord said, um, that's a good verse, but there's a principle there. And I said, no, it's a good verse because I and many others have taught on faith. And it's only about faith. Thank you very much. And the Lord says, no, it's not only is it a good verse on faith, it's a good principle. I said, well, what are you talking about? The Lord reminded me in, in John chapter 4, it says God is the Spirit, right? And um, that scripture we just read, Hebrews eleven six, 6, it says, um, you must be the God is or God exists. And the Lord says, if you swap that out with who I am, with the Spirit, you can use it as a principle for engaging with any spiritual creation in his kingdom. And so you could read it like this. Um, you must believe that the spirit being exists and that there's a benefit or a reward for engaging with that spirit being. And the Lord told me the flip side of that is if you don't believe in seven spirits or whatever, you know, you will never meet them. You'll definitely have any, you won't receive any benefit um, from engaging with an angel, creation, creature, something that's in the Bible, something that's out of the Bible, but it's definitely in God's kingdom. If you don't believe it, they're not going to um, uh, team up with you or do something for you because of your belief system. So that's my intro. Um, and I, I want to break now for, for some questions. So you can either type it or you can go off mute and speak. And I'll when you speak, I'll repeat it just for the recording and for my clarity. State your name. I just want to hear your accent, actually. Who's up? Um, uh, 
That was it, and Anna? Yes, I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. Hi. Um, hi. Um, so, what I re really enjoyed reading your book, which was some months ago, and um, uh, it has shifted things for me. But what I find is that um, if I have, you know, like I want to engage. I want to uh, say ask for help or something like that, or you know, like I'm used to going to. I I I, I like to engage with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together. And so just at the same time, I call them beloved, and that's my name for the for the lot <laughs> for the three of them. So I'll engage beloved, and then I'm thinking, oh, should I? So I'm wanting wisdom. Do I ask the Holy Spirit? Do I ask beloved, or do I ask for the spirit of wisdom? And and so so sometimes I just say, oh well, you know, I'll ask I'll ask you all, you know. And so so how does that work? Why does the Lord actually? I'm not being disrespectful with this. But, um, need the seven spirits, and um, when He is all in all in all. And, and how do we know when to ask one of the seven spirits or when to ask the Holy Spirit? That's a great question. So the question through all that was, you know, why does the Lord, God, the Trinity, the Godhead need the seven spirits, right? Yeah. And so, and I asked the same question. You know, I, it was funny, I, I was like, you're not needed. <laughs> And I asked, and, and, and it was from the perspective of, I barely knew the Holy Spirit, right? Um, and I'm thinking, like, if he's, you know, anyway, so, I, so, but the Bible's clear that Jesus, when he was on the planet, okay, uh, God didn't show up. The angels came, and after, after his first temptation, angels showed up, right? Uh, when he was in the garden, angels showed up. And so we're thinking, wait a minute, Jesus, how come when you, when you said I could call for 7,000 legions of angels, why don't you call for the Holy Spirit? Why don't you call for your Father, right? I mean, I would call for, I, that's what I would do, right? Now, but you look at that and you go, okay, there's some reason, um, and this is, a, this is a God thing, there's some reason that um, he has um, everyone in position, if you will. Right now, I don't know the full reason, but I'm the same person that when I read the Bible through the first time, and I'm I'm watching the Jews leave Egypt and how they're being you know rebellious and stupid and sinning to the desert, and it's my first time reading the Bible. I'm like, well, God, if I was you, I would kill them because they're just not worthy of your goodness. And each night during my Bible reading, I was gonna I was killing the Jews off. And then finally the Lord goes, you're just like them. And I went, oh, well, let's have mercy then, you know. So, <laughs> so with that little bit of revelation of how I was, I saw how God treated them. But we look at the, old, we look at the Bible and we see how God uses angels to communicate. So, there's, so he, could, he could show up because he can, right? So there's, there's something in the, in the heart or mind of God that he likes working with his creation. Right, he likes uh, sending Gabriel to do something, 
Um, sometimes he goes himself, right? Um, why is that? He, there's a reason. Now, sometimes he'll tell you the reason. Sometimes he, he doesn't have to because he's God, right? So when I, so for me, my first encounter with a spiritual being was, was angels. I had more faith for the angels than anything else, right? And I and if you read my whatever the third book is, it talks about you know, my journey with angels. But when I when I started believing, I first had encounters with angels. So then it was like, okay, uh, I heard a teaching that said that you know some monk had a uh, knew the the, per, the first name of hundreds of angels. I'm thinking, I've got two, and I'm not talking to them enough. And then I've got Jesus, and I've got the Holy Spirit. I got God. There's five relationships that's tough to keep up, right? How yeah. how do you keep up with a hundred plus angels and Jesus and Holy Spirit? How do you balance that, right? How do you and then you get all weird, then how do you not fall into worshiping, you know, and how do you you know, and this is tough, right? And so um, so basically the answer is in your brain it's impossible. Okay. Um, as a human being, it's impossible to have a spiritual relationship. But as a spirit being, it's not an issue of, you know, you know, you know, naturally, if you're with somebody, and this is this is guys don't do this, but when I'm with a group of guys, none of us are looking at each other's shoes. We don't care. Okay. We're not even looking at facial hair if we shaved or not, right? We're talking about something that's pretty stupid, but we're fully engaged in the stupid thing. I've been in a group of girls and the conversation goes, Where'd you get that belt? Right? I don't have that belt, right? And then it gets competitive at that level. Now, guys, you know, we go to the gym and we're doing the, you know, who can bench press more and we're doing that kind of thing. But when you're in the spirit realm, you're focused on a spiritual mission, right? It's not about, I wonder if you can do that job better than me. It's about what are we doing, okay? And so um, if the Lord wants you to take a city, he wants you to take a city, Right. Obviously, he can take a city, but he likes it when you overcome, because when I overcome, I can take the city and give it back to him. Right. And I get the opportunity to to do my part in showing and demonstrating my love for the father by what I did out of a motivation for love. Right. And so just like the angels get to just demonstrate their obedience and stuff by, oh, you assigned me to Wally. I don't like Wally. He's kind of slow, da 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 da, and he's playing around that new mystic name. And sometimes he believes, sometimes da 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 da. But they get to demonstrate their love by being faithful and obedient, right? So that's Angel One, Angel. So I have two angels. One, oh, I have several, but two main ones. One's called Free at Last. Free at Last is a very strong, um, barbarian-looking, and his his main piece is to protect me, right? And so he's kept me from harm, harm that I know of and some harm I don't know of, right? And so his assignment to my life, which I know is for at least all the time here on earth, is to keep me safe, right? So that's his job. Now, is the father able to put his wings around me and arms around to keep me safe? Yes. But he's sharing that honor, and, and it's an honor, okay, to do what's in the father's heart. He's sharing that honor with free at last, right? He's also sharing the honor with an angel called Promise, and Promise's job is to um, bring back to my remembrance promises the Father has made. Can the Lord, can the Holy Spirit, can Jesus all of them whisper to me the promises that they've made? Yes, they can, but it's Promise's honor 
to take the assignment responsibility, right? Now, so we know in the scriptures in Hebrews, it talks about that uh, uh, Hebrews, whatever the verse is, about, you know, the angels are, 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 are ministers to us, right? They minister the heirs of salvation. So they're doing their part. We'll do our part. I believe that the seven spirits are tutors, and they train us into godliness, right? So they have a role, right? So I believe that in the pre-time and the was, was, whatever, um, the Lord said, okay, you seven, you're going to be tutoring these things called human beings. They're going to need some training. Um, and they said, well, can't you do that? Yes, I can, but I want to share the joy with you, right? And they go, oh, great. So we get to please you by doing what pleases you, right? So you've got angels who are assigned to minister. I believe the seven spirits are assigned to tutor us in the ways of being kings, right? And so, um, so I don't say, hey, somebody out there who I can't see, um, I'm looking about how to be a king on my mountain. Um, is it you, free less? Is it you, promise? Is it you, spirit wisdom? <clears throat> I don't do that. What I, what I do and what I believe is, is in the book, it talks about the, the eyes of the Lord, you know, look around to see, you know, as I'm pursuing something or an area that I need to grow in, I believe they see me, one, okay, Wally's willing, willing to learn about how to be a king on his throne and, and wield his authority. Okay, he's willing. Oh, look, he's setting his, his desire, right, to be taught. Okay, he's giving up time. I'm going to go now because now the student is ready for the teacher, okay? And that teacher uh, is now well-equipped to teach me in that deal. So that that's how I think the seven spirits work. It's not a, hey, I want to talk to you now. Teach me about this. It's not the student yelling at the teacher. It's the teacher coming when the student's ready. Does that make better sense? That's really helpful. Okay. So we don't, we don't necessarily, but we can ask. Yeah, because it's a relationship, right? So uh, it... In, in, in an encounter I had um, <clears throat> with one of the spirits, it was like, um, you know, before I, I engaged with Angelic or anybody else, um, I <clears throat> got very comfortable in his presence. And I, it felt like I called it a, a place called rest. So I learned about this place called rest. And once I spent time there, I, I only had faith that I knew God was there and I knew that the Godhead was all, you know, they're all there. And then once I realized they were there, it found out that, oh, um, there's others here. I thought it was a one-on-one -on -one place, you know, but there, yeah. there were others there. And it was my option to find out who else was abiding in his presence, right? And I was like, oh, okay, so who's here, right? So as my faith and kind of boldness increased and I had some encounters with other seven, some of the seven. I said, like, hey, I want some more encounters. I literally said, okay, who's next, <laughs> right? And then, uh, I, and I don't know why they responded to that, because it wasn't a cocky thing, but it was a, uh, it was my desire, and uh, I don't know what it was. It was something, but it was cool. But yeah, you, it's, according to um, what, uh, what you need, Right, according to um, your desire, it's not like if you ask for, "Hey, spirit wisdom, I need wisdom." 
you know, God's not offended, you know, you understand? It's not like, wow, I really wish I need, it's, it's not a guessing game. What if I call the wrong name? Oh no, I asked for, I asked for knowledge. I should have asked for counsel. <laughs> so that's your head, okay? Your head does that. Your, your, your spirit's going like, it doesn't matter, you know? Um, if you, if you call Jesus for the wrong, you know, God has, you know, there's those posters that the Father, God has 365 names. What if you call the wrong name? Now, if you call me the wrong name, I might be offended, right? My name's New Mystic. Say New Mystic. Say, yeah. But, but the Father's not upset because you're in a relationship, right? And so, and we have, in, on the other side of the veil, we have all time, actually more than outside of time, to, to, to be with everyone, right? And it's not a competition. It's not like, um, oh, you only spent, you know, 10,000 years with the Father. I cannot believe you didn't spend 10,000 with the Holy Spirit. It's not one of those things. It's not, we're not, it's not time-based, you know? And so we have to free ourselves from that limitation, right? And free ourselves from the thing, because, you know, if, if we put ourselves, uh, if we view citizens in the kingdom like we are on earth, then we've limited them and limited our ability. Because it's like my, my, my earthly father lives seven miles from my house. Um, and, you know, it's now set up for Thursdays. I go there, right? But I also have a wife and a daughter, right? I need to spend time with them. So, and on earth, it is important how much time I spend, right? In the spirit realm, you know, a, a millisecond could be all that you need to, based on your scroll, based on eternity, right? But if I think about that in my head, that makes no sense at all. So don't think about it. Just try to learn to flow with it. Does that make sense? Give um, somebody else a chance. You missed it. Maybe Sally or Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm keen to have a question. Who's that? This is Sally. Hi, Sally. Um, so I was just thinking about what you were saying about prayer versus exploits. Okay. Um, and... So, really, historically, praying for people kind of bores me and I lose focus very quickly. Um, what I find I do now is like, so if I pray for my family, like my, you know, extended family, you know, about a month ago, I was just kind of I guess in the spirit, sending a tsunami of peace down each of those family names, down their line, if you like. Right. And now I'm kind of sending a whirlwind of fire down each of their lines, because that seems to be have changed and seems to be what they need at the moment, apparently. Um, is that what you mean by prayer versus exploits? I, I think so. Well, you, you know how um, our vocabulary constrains us, right? And, mm. you know, so when we say the word prayer, there's there are images and pictures with that, right? And then when we hear, it, it's for, for example, um, uh, what's this guy's name? My favorite. Well, my, um, I, well, I didn't, I, I had 
very little value on prayer until 1983. I moved from one part of America to a different part of America, and he placed me in this church. I've only been placed in two churches in my life, and the first one was in the United States in Alabama. When I went to that church, my value of prayer was, I had no value of prayer at all. I thought it was not needed, unless you were an old lady. I'm, serious, I'm sorry, no, no, no offense to anybody, but it was that. And I had no value in worship either. I thought worship was just that thing we did before we got to the Word. I had a high value on the Word of God, but no value in worship, which meant I had no relationship or intimacy with the Father too, right? And no value in prayer because I didn't know what it, I didn't know I didn't know the benefits of prayer. Now I did like the fact that my grandmother prayed for me. I knew that things happened, but I thought it was just whatever. So in that environment, I learned about two amazing things: worship and and prayer. So when you so if prayer is, I remember one time I was at a, a public restaurant and this guy started praying. It was just two of us at the table. His prayers didn't make me go to sleep. And all of a sudden, everything around us started changing. I thought, what is this? You know, um, I got to meet, you know, Dr. Cho. You know, back in the day, he was Mr. Prayer, right? And um, back in uh, early 80s, you know, the world's largest church, and yada, yada, all kind of stuff. So, but I think um, prayer versus exploits, if, if, if in your mind, prayer is just words, that may be doing something versus you in the spirit going somewhere. Um, that those are different images, right? You're sending your words, and then it's you going in the spirit and breaking down something and launching angels and placing this there and releasing fire and and opening the floodgates and opening the heavens and going down the throne room. So all of that could be prayer, or all that could be exploits. But the key thing is don't limit it to your understanding. And don't limit it to your words, for sure. You know. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm, I, 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 I told somebody the other day that um, the word, the word, if you accept the term Christian, okay, which is a very nice term, right? Um, it, or not. <laughs> the term Christian, Christian, my, my bad accent, American accent. If you accept the word Christian or Christianity, it automatically puts you in a box, right? Uh, mm. Jesus was not a Christian. Jesus was a son of God, right? And so, um, but see, if if you meet someone and they go, "Oh, you're a Christian," and you say yes, you automatically accept their their definition or their constraints on that. Okay. And so, if they've got a bad view of that, you know, then they've limited. If their view of Christian is a powerless. Uh, Sunday morning going person who's got a big Bible, then they've got no faith for you to speak life into their life. They don't think you have any wisdom because their view of Christianity is based on TV or very bad experience, right? So now you have to undo their belief system, right? Especially if you've accepted the term, right? So I'm working, you know, so someone says, well, what do you call yourself? I say, well, I'm trying not to call myself anything. I'm trying to let you know he who's in me express in such a way that they go, wow, what manner of man are you? And that's that's what mm -hmm. I wanted to be, right? I want I want the Lord to define me in front of people instead of me defining myself or them defining myself or me limiting myself to who they think I am. It's kind of like you know when they put a title on you, they put a title on you so they can understand you, right? 
So, but yeah, the I mean, if if we were picking words, I would pick exploits because that's has more. I have more um, more value on exploits than I do prayer. Even though I, prayer changes wars, right? The, you know, people, you know, have have opened nations up and saved nations because they took time to pray. But they had a revelation of that word. That that word was not full of old people sleeping, right? They saw mountains moving and the the, the releasing the hand of the Father into the situation, and they had more. Uh, assigned to that word than more images and value to that word than just what I had. Great. Good question though. So that was Sally and Anna. There's other people out there. <laughs> okay, Steph, you might have to unmute your mic. Oh wait. Okay. Oh hi, I'm Stephanie. How are you? Hi Stephanie. I see your um, question. Is it is the one you typed um, up there? Yeah, yeah. I sort of see myself sort of hanging out with the angels, right. and I just, I just wonder if you know because they, you know, there's main ones. Do they have like, you know, ones that help the seven spirits um, with different ranks that do different things? Is because there's a lot of angels, isn't there? Yeah, there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of angels, um, and every everyone, everyone in the kingdom. Um, knows what they're doing, okay? Yeah. Um, now we, as we go into the kingdom, we're like little kids at the store. Like, ooh, look here, look, you know, we're running around like, oh my gosh, look at that, you know? So we, we're the only ones who go into the kingdom who don't know our role, our responsibility, right? Um, it's like, um, uh, uh, and, and they do, so it's not, and, and they, are, they are waiting to to rightly engage with us based on um, roles responsibility right so like um, uh, everyone in the kingdom every every creation in the kingdom other than man all uh, esteem uh, mankind because we're created in God's image so all of them know that we're special right and so uh, in a sense every created being other than man uh, fears man, honors man, esteems man, just like they esteem God, right? So when, when we see an angel and we freak out and go, oh my gosh, you're so big, you're so shiny, you're so whatever, they're going like, what are you talking about? You're creating his image, you know? Um, they're tempted to worship us because we look like him, okay? Yeah. And so, so we need to not get caught up in that. We need to do our part so they can do their part. So everyone, so the kingdom expands, right? Now, the thing what happens is, is if we're just being, you know, we, we cross the veil and we're happy to be in some realm and, and you know, a couple of angels show up and we're looking at them, they're looking at us and then, you know, spirit of wisdom and my, everyone shows up and we're all just standing there staring at each other. And they're going like, wow, he died for that one, you know. And you're smiling, going, yes, he died for me. And the angels are going, he died. And everyone's like, you know, I've been following your life since you were, you know. And matter of fact, we used to play together before you came to earth, you know. Well, that's not walking in your destiny. That's just everyone standing around. I know for a fact, angels don't like to be standing around, okay, or, or being passive. 
the seven spirits, they have a purpose too. They are, they're there to teach. If you're not learning, they're not there, right? Um, the angels who are in your life who are, who are active are the ones who are, you know, they're there. Okay, I'm here to keep that demon from taking off his head, and I'm going to, you know, I'll protect Wally. But uh, they want to be assigned to work with and go do, right? They know a lot which is on your destiny, um, they know well, they know a little bit more than we know. Well, we can know everything. They just know some parts, right? The parts that can be beneficial too. So um, before I ever saw you know, my angels, I would go um, my dad's living room. Um, I would make it not totally dark, but kind of dim. And I'd have team meetings. And I would sit there and talk out loud. And I would talk to, I only had faith for five angels. So I'd I would, you know, look towards the right and, and talk and say, okay, look, tomorrow um, we need to, you know, we need, you need, I need help in writing my resume. I need uh, this and this. And once I get done with that, I need to do this, this, and this. And I would give out the strategy for the day, right? And I would turn around in a circle and point and say, look, you need to make sure that nothing comes in deception, you know? And I'd turn to something else and I'd go, look, you need to make sure that I stay on point. You know how distracted I get sometimes? And I would go around and, and assign this angelic group that was there. Did not see them, heard no conversations back, but I knew I had a team assigned to me. So I started walking in that, okay? And I knew that they didn't like to be passive, so I was given assignments, right? Um, and so, I don't know, four or five months later, I started getting, um, uh, conversation back like oh you don't do that oh my bad <laughs> you know okay well, what do you do <laughs> you know and again that was relationship right oh so that's your job okay so now we can work better together right so but it, it, it starts up with you know hello how are you what's your name okay what's your assignment all right so I'm gonna interact with you based on that it's like I was I was raking my leaves one day and I was like, well, my wife asked me to rake my leaves and I'm out there thinking I'm the man of God. I got to write some books and I'm out here raking leaves. The leaves will take care of themselves, you know. Let the leaves fly away, you know. Let the dead bury the dead. I was then I had this thought, hey, can my angels? Because I have lots of them, you know. I have, you know, can my angels rake my leaves for me? Yeah. Right. And so, so I'm standing there with my rake, you know, in you know, full public, and I have my little headphones on, and I pause. I said, yes, are you? I mean, because, I mean, we have access to thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of angels. I'm thinking, maybe there's a leak raking angel who's designed, and, and, and I'm, I'm having to stop, right? So I stop, you know, and his voice goes, um, yes, you could but you probably don't want an angel to rake your leaves. I thought, why? They would do a bad job. And this voice said, no, angels have, uh, how'd it go? Angels um, are, uh, have specific assignments. So if I asked an angel to rake the leaves, it would, but then it would not be doing its other job. Mm. Okay. And I went, well, yeah. what does that mean? Well, that other job might be vital. <laughs> Because the raking the leaves was not vital. I mean, it was like me. I I wanted to go back inside the house, but I wanted the job done. And I thought, oh, so I, I paused, thinking. And I thought, well, what else is that angel doing? So then I went this whole little long conversation about, you know, the angels and 
yes, I could have them rake the leaves, but you know, if they were doing that, what would they not be doing? And I thought, ooh. But then it was like, well, I need to be at, I need to be at that level of engagement to to make wise decisions because we have a lot, a lot of authority in our mouths, right? And we've got we've got so much we're learning, learning who we are. And if what if I had an angel, you know, break the leaves and yay, I was happy, leaves are done, you know, wife's happy, you know. And but meanwhile, New Zealand gets flooded. Mm. Right? And I'm thinking like, well, I didn't I didn't mean for New Zealand to be flooded. Well, I was just doing what Wally said. <laughs> and we go to court. Uh, Wally, why were you assigning the angels to do the leaves? Well, I can. Yes, you can. That's good. But as a good king, you need to realize the realm responsibility you have. And was that on your scroll? Well, no. Well, did you read your scroll today? No. Did you think about your scroll? No. I thought about the leaves. <laughs> you know? And so it's kind of selfish. Now, we have, you know, I the first time I got on my throne, this is sad, the, the, I, I, I'm pursuing the Lord, and I... I, you know, I believe I have a mountain, so I, 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 th- I said, if I have a mountain, I have a throne. And boom, I was sitting on this throne in the spirit, right? I was so excited. I got my throne, you know? And the very next thought was, okay, now I have a throne. Now I can use control and manipulation. <laughs> and, I, and I said it out loud in the spirit, if you will. And, and everyone in the room in this 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 large hall room thingy I had or I had and have said no and I said well when can I use control and manipulation I haven't been using it because I knew that's not good on earth but I thought now that I'm a king with a throne now I get to use it and there were no amens there were no yes let's go for it you know and I was like well what else do you do? I mean how else do kings rule you know, and this voice says, you rule with love and wisdom. I said, really? That works. And I, that's what I said. Right. So we're all grow, growing in our responsibility. We're all growing in our understanding. And this is why I need a tutor for sure, because if, you know, and the sad thing is, you know, I was on my throne. I am a king and I could use control manipulation and I'd be in the book as a bad king. Right. Um, you know, God would not take my throne away because he loves me. And he just kind of watched me, you know, not use my authority and my power and gifts in, in a good way. And all the angels that are assigned to me be going like, we got to work with that? He is a tyrant. He is, ooh. You know, and that's where, you know, we need to work on the character and stuff like that. So, but all of that is available to to to, to grow in, to understand, right? To um, To walk in, to play with, to experiment with, you know. Um, I was not kicked off my throne when I had that thought. Okay, I I would have kicked me off the throne, but I I wasn't. So, um, does that help on your question? Yes, thank you. Cool. Anybody else? Okay, so we'll we'll keep going. <clears throat> That scripture is, uh, about tutors is Galatians 4, 1 and 2. It says, um, and I say, so long as the heir is a babe, he doesn't differ from being a servant. Um, but 
Um, oh, he's under tutors, under the Lord of all. But he's under tutors and stewards till the time appointed of the Father. Okay, so there in 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 those back in the day, you know, the Father is you know doing his business, and the Father is with the family and stuff. But he does assign um, tutors, stewards, um, to take care of the of the child, and um, we get to to grow in that. Um, there's a I forget what book, but I'll just say there's a tradition that um, when Joseph was taken out of, you know, when Joseph did the dream interpretation, and um, um, and the king says, "Wow, good, that was great. I'm going to make you, you know, second to me, um, and you'll be the number two guy. You know, I'm number one, but you'll be number two. Um, but his his court said, "Wait a minute, there's there's rules. And this isn't the tradition. I forget what book this is, but according to this book, um, Joseph just could not be the second command because he, he interpreted that dream, and he could not be that just because the king said so. He had to pass a test, right? And to be second command um, over however big that the nation or the realm of, of, the, of the Pharaoh was, which is pretty much the, almost the world, um, the king had to know, had to be able to uh, uh, converse in all of the known languages on the planet, okay, all the world languages, and so that was that was the rule type deal. Um, the king could do that because he was trained, you know, from birth to be able to do that. And so, if he wanted to be number two, you had to be similarly trained. So, uh, the king goes, "Oh, that's right. Well, okay. Well, he's got tomorrow." Tomorrow I'll appoint him, and the and the his court said, uh, well we'll test him tomorrow, and he's going to fail because it's impossible to learn, you know, all the languages in the world overnight. And so according to this book and this tradition, um, an angel appeared uh, to Joseph that night, and taught Joseph, or I know taught, trained, tutored, whatever imparted, whatever it was. So the next day he was able to to speak all the languages of the known world, and he passed the test. Now he he, so he passed the test of man, and he had the favor of the king by doing the dream. But he he was in, equipped um, by the by the, by the angelic, right? And again, when you when you're looking through the Old and New Testament, every time any angel or any of these spiritual beings, you know, the 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 writers. We kind of, they went conservative because again they didn't have words really to to discern between angel uh, men in white linen uh, some guy he was happy to come down to earth and said guy goes okay uh, Jonathan pop on down they'll think you're an angel that's okay <laughs> you know I mean we we don't know who really came out of that realm into this realm right. Um, they didn't care. They were just happy to be doing something pleasing to the Father. But the the writers all grouped them into angels, right? So, and, and we, you know, we, you know, trusting the Father. The Father says that wasn't an angel. That was a da 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 da, whatever. It's it's cool. So, um, yay, more. Okay, we'll we'll continue. Are any more questions?
Okay, good. Oh, sure. Who's that? Hey, Paula. Okay. What was the key for you that unlocked the ability to engage without fear and doubt? Wow. What was the key to help me engage without fear or doubt? If I tell you the key, then you have no excuses. That's good. We're up for it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this will remove all excuses, and then you guys can't, you know. Anyway, so for me, um, it was, I, I wish it was just, you know, uh, one meeting or one prayer. It was none of that. It was almost like, uh, well, it, it was longer than I wanted, but the issue was was love, okay? And um, the, the key was, you know, uh, was a friend um, kept giving me CDs of John Crowder and Ian Clayton. Now, um, because my heart was so hard, even though I was a son of God and a Bible school graduate and all these things, um, I could not comprehend Ian, so I threw the CDs away. Um, I didn't like John Crowder because I couldn't comprehend his style. He was too drunk for me, right? And so uh, this friend who, and uh, I've talked to her, she's still a good friend, because uh, you know she had to, you know, get buy the CDs, then you know burn them to a, a copy, find me, give me the CDs, look at me as I said, I'm throwing these away. She would smile. And the next week or two, give me another CD. And I'm thinking, like, are you out of your mind? This is a waste of money because I am throwing them away. They fly really well, right? So, but she had sowed these seeds, right? And um, um, so one day, uh, I'm at a guy's house, and on his table was a John Crowder book. <clears throat> and the book was The Ecstasy of Loving God. And so I grabbed the book because I thought, first of all, why is the book here? My my friend, um, why would he listen to John Crowder? And I opened the book to build a case to discredit John Crowder. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, how can a drunk guy write a book? You know, and I read the first page and it was it was well written. And man, it was revelation, it was awesome, right? And I thought, huh. So I'm reading a few more pages while the guy is, is getting some food for us. I'm over his house for dinner. And uh, so he brings the, the plate back and I go, hey, can I, you know, can I take this book home? He goes, sure. I just, I, you know, I haven't read it yet, but yeah. And so that was a Thursday night. Uh, we hung out, ate dinner, talked, you know, did that man thing. Um, I go home and I... Uh, I'm reading this book that night and into Friday and the first chapter of the ecstasy of loving God totally undid me I realized not only did God like me but he loved me and not just I like you and pat you on the back like you he intimately I mean intensely loved me and I had the capacity to love him back at the same level and and when when and when that when I when that 
when the love of God was unlocked to flow into me, I received it. I, it wrapped around me to where um, God was not judging anything about me. Everything, he accepted me totally. Every, every closed area of my life, everything I was trying to hide from him, he totally loved me. And, and then the fact that I was designed for pleasure and he was the only one that could fulfill my pleasure, that just, I, that just undid me. Right. It undid me so much. I felt like I got saved that Friday morning. OK, because I really now had a true firsthand revelation of the love of God and all of my fears of things happening to me in the spirit realm were, were knocked out because I now knew that God didn't just, you know, um, God was going to protect me no matter what. If I was experimenting if I was playing around, if I was whatever, he would show up and he was bigger than any demon or anything that in my imagination or in, in reality. I knew that he was going to keep me like um, like I fight for my wife, right? Um, he was going to fight for me and protect me no matter what I thought, did, or whatever. All because of reading one chapter out of that book and believing that he loved me at that level. So I called my friend up and said, hey, I just think, I don't know, I don't, you know, I, I, I got saved. I'm born again. <laughs> and the guy goes, why? I go, I read this book and I need to have it. I need, because I'm an underliner. I'm a highlighter. I'm a, you know, fold down the corners. I'm that kind of guy. Thank you for letting, I'm, I'm screaming and yelling. And this guy goes, don't touch my book. Bring it back tomorrow to church. Um, don't underline it, don't fold it, don't highlight it, don't anything it. Bring it back un, un, unmarked. I said, you've lost your mind. I, I said, oh, you didn't understand. I just, I just had a revelation. I, God loves me, and I love God. And he goes, I don't care. Bring the book back. But that was a key right there. And again, that understanding of God's, you know, has been trickling from day one, but that that Friday, a Thursday night and a Friday hour reading that one chapter of his book, um, just uh, something in me allowed his love to, to change me, right? And when you're, when you're secure in his love, there's nothing that could, could harm you because, you know, I had fears of doing the wrong thing, believing the wrong thing, um, Fears of you know, you know, pursuing something and end up in a cult, you know, uh, going to the the wrong area in the spirit. So I wouldn't go. You don't go places. You don't pursue wholeheartedly because you're afraid of, you know, being caught or being, you know, trespassing or whatever. So all those fears of failure or fears of being deceived or fears of stuff were totally taken care of by his love by reading one chapter of um, Mr. Crowder's book, Ecstasy of Loving God. And so that was, that was a key. I mean, that, that began because you know, just like, you know, even though, you know, like in, in a swimming analogy, you know it's deep water, but if you know the lifeguard is right there and he says, I'm right here, go ahead. <laughs> but I can't swim. That's okay. I'm right here. And so it's, again, it's relationships. So right there in that, that one Friday Thursday night, Friday, I realized that I could go places 
and I would never be out of his uh, out of his reach, right? Out of his protective eye, um, and um, I could never do something that would put me in you know, the devil's territory or you know in his grasp or uh, all those things which I thought I could I could do, you know. Anyway, so that was that was it. That's awesome, but something that you've just um, triggered in my mind is um, here in New Zealand we had Jason Abraham for the first time in Company of Burning Hearts, and he talked about how he made a contract with God regarding his body when he was raptured, you know, how God would kind of pull him out and, and he'd be off in the spirit. And have, have you done that sort of thing with the Lord? Can, can you repeat that one more time? I'm sorry. I was reading okay. Kath's question on the screen. <laughs> sorry. Oh, that's all right. So Jason Abraham shared about how he had made a contract with God regarding that God would look after his body here on earth when he raptured his spirit and he was trans-relocated into heaven or he, he was like so intoxicated in that place of ecstasy that... Um, yeah, so he came to a terms of agreement, if you like, about if, if you need me, I'm going to go, but I need you to take care of my body and my house, things like that. Have you come to that level of agreement with him? Yeah, I mean, I, I did a little differently. Um, and I mean, on the whole trends, relocating stuff, you know, my big deal was, okay, I can see myself going there, but no one ever talked about coming back, right? So I had a fear yeah. of being, you know, you know, calling my wife, honey, I'm in Russia, <laughs> go, go ask dad for money, you know, to get a ticket and send my, res you know, send my, send my passport, you know, so that was a fear, right? And um, and so that fear got taken away by some other good, finally some good testimonies. But um, on that same thing of, of Justin's piece, um, I saw, there's a movie um, John Carter of Mars, and yep. uh, his body, you know, in the in the movie he leaves his body on Earth, but it's protected by his nephew Edgar Rice Burroughs, which is a little in a twist, and so uh, so he can be in a different realm, right? And so. I'm not saying Justin made the agreement, but it's it's the same though relationship. So whether you say, "Hey God, you know, take care of me," not like God's not going to take care of you, but you need to do whatever it is in your relationship to be secure, right? If you need to, you know, this, you know, so I have got I've got a journal or several journals, and I do some of those. Okay, I'm writing down what I need from you, you know. Can you read this? <laughs> you know, and, and I say that to God, you know, okay. I want them to sign right here, but I don't push it too much. But um, sometimes I'll, I'll write things out, you know, like your ketubah, right? That's a contract. Well, it's more than a contract. It's a covenant, right? So, so you, you know, Ian says, you know, if you don't have a ketubah, you're not getting married. Um, so just in case, I have my ketubah. And the ketubah is your marriage covenant that uh, in, the, in the Jewish world, uh, a husband and wife, they write a, you know, I expect these things from you, you know, I'm going to love you and I expect you to, you know, change my flat tire. And so I have a ketubah with, with the Father God that says, you know, I'm going to pursue you and you're going to pursue me. And and so it's written, right? Um, and 
And I, yeah, so I have one of those, right? Um, and it's not a, just in case he doesn't love me, but it's, it's just something that helps me be more secure, right, in him. So um, I have a ketubah, I've got a bunch of scribblings in a journal, I've got some, some uh, understandings in my mind of how I see the Father, I have revelations and encounters that secure my identity in him, right? Um, some are written down. Some are just etched in my brain. I know. Um, now, when I didn't know stuff, I was like, I'd wondered. But you can't do things in wondering, right? It's like I'm trying to move from just believing stuff to actually knowing. Because most of us are living in hope. <clears throat> I hope God will come through, right? Then we get past the hoping. We're believing for God, you know, to do whatever. We need to know what God's going to do or not do. And, and, and live in the know, not just in the hope or the believing part. But may we read Kath's question here. Um, hi, this is Kath. Before believing in Jesus, I delved in the occult and could see and hear things or stuff. Now I know demons. Now I, I, I had my third eye closed by pastor and nothing since can still discern. But I'm new to the stuff about this subject. I want to engage, but I'm scared because of the past. Yep, me too. Um, um, that that fear thing is amazing how it it it's, it lingers right and um, and and all we can do or my my opinion of what we can do is it's um, uh, well I I used to have a not a written down list but I had a list of about thirty things of why God could not use me you know and I didn't want to put it in paper because I didn't want anyone to find it. But it was really clear in my mind, right? And uh, it was 30 reasons why God could not use me. <laughs> and to my surprise, uh, the Lord knew my list, and he dealt with all 30 of them, okay? And so if you have real fears, like she just wrote there, um, you don't have to necessarily write it down. But if you have a journal, put it there. And the Father loves you so much, he knows what, what's your, what your issues are, right? Um, he even knows the things that you've forgotten. For instance, I, you know, I, the Lord, I told you earlier, I've been, I've been placed in two churches. The second one is the church I'm attending now, okay? And the Lord got me there. He says, you're ignorant of spiritual things. Get your butt in the gate. The name of their church is the gate. And I was offended because I said, I'm not ignorant. I went to Bible school. I speak in tongues. Therefore, I'm not ignorant. Um, so, but a year into that, he, he, the church, not a year, a month after I started going there, they started a class called the Sears class. And a year after that, I, uh, the Lord says, you have, uh, you, you said to me or said in your spirit that you did not want to see in the spirit realm because, um, in, in our family, we grew up watching, you know, scary movies and horror movies and stuff. And I never had nightmares, but my brother would have nightmares, and I would laugh at him. But, but I said in my heart, I do not want to see in the spirit realm because I don't want to accidentally see a monster. Because yeah. I knew that Hollywood was getting better and better and better at making these things. And I said, well, I knew they were, you know, Hollywood made. But I thought in the real realm, the spirit realm, mm -hmm. which is real... If, a, if I saw one of those real ones, I would get scared, right? And I would have more fear. 
So I don't want to see anything, right? And I shut down my own seer eye, okay? Yeah. Now, I didn't know I said that until the Lord brought it back to my attention. And I had to, once he brought, once he brought it back to my attention, then I had to repent of it and then begin trusting him, okay? Yeah. And I was, I was like shocked. How, how, how would I say that? Um, you know, I don't know if you guys have this, but in America, in our pride, we've got personalized license plates, you know? Mm-hmm. And so if you're real creative, you can put some cool message on those, right? And so my license plate, when you come to America, if you see this plate, it's me. It says, no fear, right? And so not only is that a declaration, but I thought I had zero fear in me. I mean, you know, I because I've been dealing with it and God's been yanking it out and we've been declaring and so I'm thinking, I'm, I, am, I am free from fear, right? And so uh, was it last year? So two years ago, was it, oh, was it last? Oh, I'll say two years ago. So, so two years ago, I'm going to this outdoor worship event and um, I forget what I was doing before I got out of the car, but I, my, my mind was just way in the things of God. And so I play a hand drum and so I'm going to drum and stuff. So as I get to the front row and I'm about to set up, I get a God thought. It wasn't the Lord. It was, you know, because we have, we're allowed to think good things too, right? So the thought was, hey, I'm going to turn invisible right now. God, can I turn invisible right now? I don't know where that came from. It wasn't, I wasn't reading a book about invisibility or anything. But this thought, I said, I had, I had full faith. It wasn't like, you know, like, you know, we ask God stupid stuff, you know, and he's not going to answer it. But when I said it, hey, can I turn invisible? You know, I had that really, the childlike thing going on. And um, he says, well, you could, but you have one, there's one thing stopping you. Now, I was excited there was only one thing because I thought he'd say there's there's 10,003 things why you can't, you know. And I thought he'd go down the list of, you know, you're not believing, you da 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 You have this hidden sin, da 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 And you have a hidden vow, da-da-da. You have a covenant with the altar of Baal. You know, I thought he'd go this list of, you know, 30 billion things. I go, wow, there's only one thing? There's only one thing keeping me from turning invisible? one thing I said oh what is that one thing you know because you have fear I thought what I thought I dealt with fear I said what am I afraid of he said you're afraid of the people who are standing behind you what they would think and I turned around and there's a, it's a Christian meet well it was open tent so I'm assuming they were Christians but it doesn't matter but it was only like a handful of people and I thought I'm afraid of what they would think that's the only thing keeping me from snapping my fingers and turning invisible. And I was like, man, I thought I dealt with fear. So so the, the, the good thing is God didn't say you're a loser because you got fear. God said, here's an area that we're going to work on, you know. Mm-hmm. And he He has all the time, you know. He's not dragging me into stuff, you know. I, I want to get rid of some fears. Actually, there's certain things mm-hmm. in you that we actually hold on to. We have more mm-hmm. we have more security in the familiar than mm-hmm. security yeah. in him, right? And so we do need to learn to trade, you know, and and it's okay to you know, because we've actually had a longer relationship with that thing than we have with with the father, right? And mm-hmm. and he knows that, so you can go, you know, what is it? What's you know, I'm a big guy, so 
um, in my big guidance, I, I have more reliance upon my own physical strength, right? Um, I'm, I'm, well, I'm definitely stronger than anybody on the call, but so one time I'm at my first church I'm plant, I was, I'm at, and I'm on the front row because I was the loudest in the front row. And, um, <clears throat> and my first level of ministry was, you know, I was a catcher, you know, an usher, right? And I could catch anybody. I was, I was, I'm built to catch people. You know, if you're under 400 pounds, I can catch you with one hand. You, you will not slam your head in the ground, you know, trained. Anyway, so this one Sunday morning, um, service is over, and uh, and as, as a catcher, you get to, you know, you're up front and close, and you get to hear what they're whispering and, 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 and feel the anointing and stuff. Anyway, so my pastor's wife is praying for this lady, and um, she gives me the, 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 head, the head nod and the finger to come up. I'm like, yes, you know. So I'm standing behind this lady, and uh, the lady goes down. I catch her, good catch. And she flips over on her back. And so now my pastor's wife is down on her knees, and this lady is starting to shake and, and kind of, uh, she's not doing the full snake motion, but she's she's moving a lot. So my pastor said, hey, you know, hold her down, right? So I'm not, I bench press, well, you guys do, anyway, so I'm strong. So I'm holding her down, and um, so then I was like, well, you know, for a guy, you don't want to put, you don't want to lean over a lady and hold her down because it looks kind of odd. So I give a, a wave to my friend, and my friend isn't as strong as me, but he weighs a whole lot. So <clears throat> he's holding down one shoulder and arm, and he weighs over 300 pounds, and I'm weighing over two-something, two and I bench press over 300 pounds. So I've got this little tiny lady by her shoulder and her wrist. My friend has her by her shoulder and wrist. The pastor's wife is there. And so I am, I'm pinning this lady to the floor, right? She's not moving, she's immobilized. And I'm thinking like, I'm not even working a sweat up here. You know, all of a sudden this lady sits up, which is impossible. It's impossible to do what she did. I got scared because there was a new force. There was a there was a power involved that was stronger than me, right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, because I look at I looked at her, who she sat up, which was it was it's physically impossible to do that. I'm like, you can't do that. And then she's doing it against two strong men who are holding her down. I'm thinking, I I need help, and so I'm like, help me, help, help, help. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying it out loud because I'm a man and we don't admit our fears. But this is serious now. It was it was beyond my physical capabilities, right? So now we're struggling. Me and this guy and my pastor's wife are struggling with this tiny lady. My pastor, the, the husband, walks over and says, let her go. I'm thinking, she'll kill you. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know what kind of force we're dealing with, right? So we let her go, and she jumps up, and my pastor points his finger at her, and she goes out, and, and she gets delivered. But all I'm saying was, in that moment, I was dependent upon my physical strength, all my years of in the gym, all my hours and hours of sweating, all my hours, and all those hours could not go against a demon or demons that were in that lady, right? I needed something else, which I was not dependent upon. I was totally dependent upon me, right? I knew what I could do in that moment. I did not know how to tap into the power of God. I'm just being honest. But after that moment, I started learning Hey, Father, you know, hey, next time, 
someone stronger shows up, uh, can you show up too? And I had to learn how to figure out how to tap into his power because I didn't know how because I didn't need it before. I didn't think I anyway. So we get to learn, right? And we get to have those fun experiences that we get to learn uh, learn in or not, you know. But it it's good to learn and good to grow. So, oh, so back to the past. So you know, in the fear thingy, um, I was doing deliverance once, and this demon said it was me and my friend Chip were doing deliverance. And the, the demon in this person said, I'm going to California to kill your fiancé. Now, I, it wasn't my fiancé. It was the other guy's fiancé. And I said, I was like, how did the demon know? And, I mean, I was like, I was, I was freaking out that this demon knew exactly where my friend's fiancé was. And I knew my friend hadn't told the guy. I'm pretty sure he didn't tell the demon. And so when we're doing the deliverance, we're trying to think, come out. Well, I got scared immediately because... Wow, we're talking about death here, right? This is real, you know. And and my friend kept on like he didn't, he wasn't concerned for the life of his, his fiance. Now, I wanted to stop and have a timeout, you know. Well, we'll let you have this one, you know, and we'll, as long as you don't kill my friend, you know. Because see, I didn't really understand at that time how great and mighty God was. My view of the devil and God was kind of like God was like, you know. 52% the demon the devil was 48% okay and so i my view of the kingdom of darkness was you know we were allowed to do some things but when you crossed the line you got you know uh, you you got them really mad and if you got them mad you were in trouble and so i lived in this spiritual detente deal you know I would do just enough to make God happy, and not too much to make the devil upset. This is to- I was I was totally deceived. It was a, it was a wrong doctrine. And um, but as we as you grow in your relationship with the Father, you will know who He is, and you'll know who you are, and 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 you and Him will face your fears. Right? Don't let them you know. Don't let them sit there and and, and bother you. You and the Lord can can deal with your fears one on one. I mean, two on one, which is which is a good thing. So, Kath, is that okay? Oh, that, that's pretty yeah, bang on. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much for that. Yeah, I'm, I remember this one time I, I went to well, I went to Sweden the first time. Um, it was a conference, and um, uh, you know, and so the Lord's done a lot of pride in in my life. You know, a lot of self sufficiency stuff. You know. And uh, <clears throat> so we're we're praying. Uh, we were praying because I didn't know about engaging yet. So we're praying, and and it's I don't know. It wasn't a, a big big conference, but uh, maybe a couple thousand people. And we're praying in tongues, and it was loud and strong, you know. And and uh, and, and back in those days, I didn't feel I, you know I didn't feel sense anything. I mean, you had to tell me God showed up because I was one of those very non-sensitive people. But on that day, I felt something. I, I knew that we broke through, right? And we broke for lunch, you know, and I'm like, guys, something happened. And, and, and my more spiritual friends were like, well, yeah, of course. No, if I felt it, something really, really is going on. <laughs> yeah. And they were laughing, yeah. you know. And, and uh, so, we come, so we we come back after lunch, you know, and um, the guy goes up on stage and says, wow, you know, that last prayer time we had, we, we, we finished the last session. 
was powerful. I said, yes, I told you guys it was powerful. Even the leader says it's powerful. And it's powerful because I felt it was powerful, you know. And, um, and they go, and so, well, you know, it was powerful. And during the lunch break, um, we did a, we did a, uh, a, what did they do? But they were checking cars. I don't know why. But they found two car bombs in the parking lot. Okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? <laughs> car bombs? Because my theology was, if you did the right thing, God took care of you. There are no car bombs in my theology, right? So the guy... The, the guy says that I go into fear because I love my life, not unto death. I love my life a lot, right? A lot, a lot. I love me, love me, 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 self, 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 and more self, right? He says car bombs. Car bombs equal death, right? So he says, you know what we're going to do next? And as he said next, I stopped time because I knew he, he was going to say, okay, I want all the Americans to stand up. We've called your bus. We're going to take the buses up front. We want you to get, load the bus first. We're going to take you to the hotel, and we're going to get you out of our country because your safety is our utmost importance. And so I stand up, believing he's going to say this, and I'm ready to go to the bus. So then time starts again. He says, okay, we're going to, and I stand up because I know he's going to say, we're going to, the Americans are going to leave. There's only like 12 or four, no, there's 20 Americans. He says, we're going to pray some more. I went, no, we've prayed too much. We have woken the dragon. The dragon, oh, no. you know. And so everyone stands up. I sit down. So 2,000 people are standing up, right? There's one person sitting down, me. They start praying in tongues again. And I'm thinking, did you not hear? Car bomb, car bomb. We, we've, we've. And so here's what, I'm, this is true, this is sad, but this is the level of fear I was operating in. No one knew it, because I was this big, you know, godly guy, at least in my own mind. I'm sitting down, and they're praying in tongues louder and stronger. And I'm thinking, like, you guys are in trouble. And, I'm, and here's what I say. I said, devil, I want you to notice who's praying. I'm not, so... They are your targets. I want you to know I'm not a part of this. So when you want to kill somebody for messing with you, it's them, not me. I'm the Christian you have to worry about. Well, not a whole lot about, you know. I'm going to do my part, but not the, I'm not going to, you know, you know. As so I said this out loud, <laughs> I mean, to myself, you know, as I sat there. And they keep praying. And I'm like, I'm shaking my head like, Oh, you guys have gone too far. Ooh, no, 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 no. And so I'm sitting there, and they're praying and praying and praying and praying louder, and hands are moving, and, you know, this warfare tongue thingy. And I'm sitting there, my arms are folded just to make sure that everyone knew I was not in agreement. And the devil would see that I was not in agreement. And this voice said to me, so how are you going to die? And I said, not by a car bomb. I... No, I'm not going out with a car bomb. Yep, not a car bomb. And it was silent, and they're praying in tongues. And his voice goes, well, how are you going to die? Why are you, why are you being a, a punk? I went, punk? You called me a punk? <laughs> and it was, you know, I, I didn't know the word could say punk. You know, I was like, where's the you know, nice Wally? You're a good Wally. We love you, Wally. And he called me a punk. And I was like, I'm not a punk. Well, yeah, you're afraid to fight. 
because something's going on here. And I and so I sat there thinking, well, I want to go home and see my mom and dad and my brothers and sisters, and I want to, you know, live my life, you know. And, and I'm sitting there, and they're still praying. And then the Lord, He doesn't leave me, but I'm I'm thinking about this deal, you know. What is my life about? You know, how do I want to end my life? Do I want to end my life? Huh. And I think, wait a minute here. How do I want to end my life? Do I want to end it with, you know, I'm a little tombstone. And Wally Johnson lived a life that didn't bother anybody. And he died of a nice, ripe old age and did no exploits. Hmm. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. <laughs> you know, so... I stand up and I join in this loud crowd. And for me, that was the first time I faced death or the fear of death, okay? And, um, <clears throat> and so again, my, so I, my theology changed a little bit then. It, it changed to where when you face the enemy, um, the, Lord will, the Lord will protect you and you're okay. Uh, but that was still wrong theology because a year later, uh, I'm in Sweden, right? And um, the car pop, the car, car bomb cap of the world. And so, but I saw these fears, which I didn't know. I didn't, I hadn't categorized my fears. So I'm at a party, and this lady says, uh, she talks about how uh, when she joined the church, um, they called the church and said, um, if this the lady won some national singing contest. And they called her the church and said, if you, if you sing in the contest, we're going to blow your church up. So she called the pastor and said, hey, I got this threat. You know, it's not against me. It's against the church. I don't want, to blow the, I don't want the church blown up. I'm a new member, so I'm not going to sing. And, um, you know, so, so when I heard the story, I thought, oh, she's going to face her fears and God's going to protect the church because when I faced my fears, no bomb went off, right? And so she, she says, you know, and the pastor says, no, no, I want you to sing. Okay. And so I thought the story would be, and she sang, and she'd win, and the church was safe because she faced her fears, and God stopped the bomb from going off. Well, to my surprise, she sang, and they blew the church up. And I was like, yeah. my theology. <laughs> and what, mm -hmm. and so... And so when I say they put the church up, they, the whole front of the church was glass, and that the whole glass front was literally blown up. So when and so I'm thinking, oh my gosh, God, she faced her fears. When I faced mine, was there a bomb? You know, so I'm oh I'm shaking listening to the story, right? So I'm thinking, you know, well obviously bomb goes off on Saturday, you know, church is on Sunday. Well, they can't have church because the bomb, the glass is everywhere, and you know, and they've got to go and repent, and and he's going to give better, better wisdom. Well, that Sunday they had church. This, they weren't stopped by anything the devil did. Okay, and that was when I again I learned that it's not about what happens; it's about my relationship. You know, so it's not about the external, but again, we're we're all growing. You know, and and we, we get tests so that we can have a testimony, right? And we get to face our fears and find out who God is and who we are. And if we fail the test, we get to take it again. And 
But if, if our focus is on not passing tasks or taking tasks, but our focus is on getting to know him, then we won't, it won't be a test thing. It'll be a relationship thing, and we get to grow in that. Okay? Awesome. It's really good. Yeah. Hey, listen, just mindful, we're learning to wrap it up now. Um, and, and you've raised some good points that I'd just like to commit to the Lord. And with everyone's agreement, I think it would be amazing to actually say to him that we give him permission to walk us through and help us resolve the roots of issues of our fear. Yeah. Yes. Sounds good. Yep. So, there you go, New Mystic. Would you like to handle all that? Yeah, let's do that. So, um, is it okay if we, if we go to the Father and actually go to the throne of, uh, of, of grace and, um, and transact, give Him our fears, and we'll receive grace and mercy for our time of need? Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. All right, so let's go. So, so Father, we thank you for your blood. We thank you that Jesus made the way. And so now we, um, by faith, um, follow Jesus um, to that place. And we know from the Bible, he says, there is, there is a, uh, a place, a throne of grace um, that's there for our time of need. And from this time, Lord, uh, fears have come to our mind. Fears have come up that that are that are in our past. Um, that are some which are still kind of buried there. And so, first of all, we thank you, Lord, that um, um, your perfect love casts out all fear. Matter of fact, it's driven it to the surface, and we're here at your throne of grace to for a transaction. Um, we individually uh, want to trade um, our fears and receive mercy and grace because um, we don't want this fear anymore. We, we are divorcing ourselves from this relationship with fear and we're walking in a greater measure of our love and trust for you in, in, in all kind of areas, Lord. Um, <clears throat> so, um, so right now, Lord, just my own fear of failure, I want to give that to you. Uh, even that scripture says we can cast our cares, and I'll say our fears upon you, because you care for us. We're at your mm -hmm. throne, at your feet, and we make that transaction now. So Lord, I'm going to be quiet while we individually at your throne, looking into your eyes. Um, one, receive even the boldness to... Um, let go of these fears, things that we've had for a long time. We give them to you, and we receive uh, uh, the love or the replacement for that uh, that for that thing, for that hole that was there. So, Lord, I'm just going to be quiet, and we're going to encounter you um, and receive uh, what you have for us. So, so everyone in New Zealand and everywhere in between, this, if you want to, whatever you're seeing, you can share that because that will be free to other people, but you don't have to. Um, 
But I know, like I said, that I, I'm taking the time of fear of failure uh, and to lay at the Lord's feet. So if you have anything that comes to mind, this is the time to, to, to do that. So what I was um, sensing was a transaction. There was a strength and a boldness, but there was also a weaponry that was going in me. And what I'm aware of is I've been dealing with the terror that walks by night. And Kat, instead, this is going to help you because you are not disqualified because of the prophetic gifting and how you walked before you got saved. And um, many of us were targeted with night terrors because of the call of God on our lives. And so, Father, I take authority in this realm and bind that strong man which is the terror that walks by night that has sat in the gate of our seeing and encountering you in the deeper realms of the unknown Yay. so father we plunder his house and serve eviction notices because our desire is to fully trust you in the depths of the unknown realm, that unseen realm. And Father, I give up my fear of, um, and, and, and where I have been paralyzed, mm. my ability to see. And I choose to open my eyes now and engage the kingdom in the spirit beings that I am seeing, and I repent for the inner vows, and I break all covenants with fear that make demonic beings, and I exalt you, Lord Jesus, that every knee bows under your governance. So I fully accept your kingship of my house. Oh. And we just, um, I, I received that transaction. I, I can actually see a storehouse that is opened, and I feel that we're receiving from this place. Whoa! So, Father, we receive the treasures of darkness. Whoa! We actually uncover ourselves to out our survival tools that have kept us safe. Mm. Father, I give them up. We give yes. them up for a better way. That way is Jesus Christ. Mm. And I can just see layers upon layers of um, garments that are actually being taken off. So Father, I thank you for the garments of light that we can now clothe ourselves in your light garments. Let's get that out of here. 
garland of praise, Lord. Mm. And a garland of love. still default to it out of habit but you are helping us to walk it out into victory you lead us into in triumph and into victory into all truth just as you've been showing me that we've been seeded through the genealogy through our genetics by the trauma and the fear of the supernatural realm and where we have been terrorized and even Hollywood, you know, with the horror movie and that um, generational door that had been opened in the spirit to tormenting spirits. We thank you that it is closed and sealed by your blood and that you are the one with the signet ring and you have placed your mark upon it. But Father, we trade the trauma of the memory that is stored up in ourselves. Yes. And we release this to you. Yes. And we trade for faith. Good. Without faith, we are not pleasing unto you. So Father, we trade the trauma and the record and the testimony and the memory that is held in our record on this earth, in our body. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. And we, we, like a vapor, release that unto you. Whoa. And have faith. Whoa. And be counted as righteous. And we receive your righteousness, Father. Yes, Lord. You, you do not give us a spirit of fear. You give us a spirit of power, love, sound mind. Thank you. We receive power, love, sound mind. Yeah, I just saw um, <clears throat> him give us uh, some new garments, you know. Um, we were already clothed in righteousness. Um, I saw just a, a, a garment uh, over that that was, um, uh, it, it just says, uh, I don't know, I just see the word new or a garment of newness. So, okay. you know, and so I don't, I think that's, just, we have a new day, new things, you know, we already are new creatures, right, in Christ Jesus, but maybe it's just a garment of, um, our old is passed away, you know, 
and behold, new things have come. But I think it's just um, uh, when we part of the trade, so we, we gave away some past fears, right? And we're getting some new glory, and we go from mm-hmm. glory to glory. So I think that new garment that I'm seeing on, on us is that that mm-hmm. uh, that new, just as a new day, right? Um, don't look back into what you feared before. Now we're going to face things in his strength and his power because we're new, right? We're new. We are, we are new. And so that's a good thing. Awesome. I, can I say, I saw a, a book, like a new book, a new, and people was just writing, writing in the book. It was like a new book, new year. Well, new book. New book, new chapter, new beginnings, uh, yeah. Beginning. Memories. Sorry. It's all right. Keep going. Chapter. So what we're just going to do is administrate that, because um, that, that's part of engaging. It's a big gold book. Big gold book. Gold. So Father, I thank you for the scribal angels that have come to administrate this session, and Father, we receive out of heaven, that golden book with new beginnings, new horizons, Mm -hmm. and we we open up that new chapter and we choose to align our books and receive the living word for that chapter for our new season. And we thank you that you are redeeming our hours, time, and seasons and redeeming the days. So Father, we thank you for the reversal and the redemption and the victory of testimony as we overcome. So, Father, we place a demand on the life laws of your kingdom and we ask for the reward of the overcomer to be credited to us in this day. Whoa, the 3rd of April, 2014. Can I share something? Yeah, of course you can. Okay. Um, no, I'm Shelly, by the way. Um, I'm sitting here with Paula. Um, but this whole time this has been going on, you missed it. You're saying you said earlier, like for me, I feel like I'm constantly striving and I feel like I'm under an obligation. You don't know that's not true. Right. And, um, and it stops me from entering in, and it, I, just, I just give up. Because I, I just get so frustrated, because it's always there. And um, so for me, I'm like, I need, a, I need a, um, a, a shift in my mindset so I can enter in. Because this stuff, it just makes me feel inadequate. <laughs> yeah, it makes me feel like I can't get there. Yeah, I believe. And it pisses me off because I believe it, but I can't get there because of this mindset that's there that's saying it feels like work. It feels like it's going to take a lot of work or what if it doesn't work and then I feel like giving up. So I'm just right now, I'm just like, I'm going to share my heart because that's where I'm at. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, so how do I deal with that? Because I don't want to leave here today and go, well, all this stuff. But how how do I how do I stay in that? 
how do I get rid of this religious mindset that doesn't want me to enter into the prisons? You don't know this is real. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, well, <clears throat> well you, you've done the first part because you, you made it public, if you will. Um, I know for, for years, personally, I've hidden behind uh, trying to look the right spiritual part, you know. But when I started confessing like you just did, um, that that truth that I'm, I'm not where I need to be, I'm feeling inadequate, I'm, you know, all those things, then that's where, I, at least for me, is when, um, and I know for you too, is when the Lord is like, okay, now, in my case, he's ready. And I think now I'd say Shelly is ready. But part of it was you were there when, um, Paula started, you know, breaking that stuff off of our, off our DNA. So for one thing, it's it isn't really you. It really it started before you. A couple, I'm I'm seeing like three generations up, you know. So, but uh, what I want us to do, um, if it's okay with with Paula, to uh, to lead you to, to break off some generational stuff, and, and I really have seen you know three generations back that something in your family line. That they accepted the lie of inadequacy has passed down to you. It's made you easier to uh, to go that way. And um, um, now you, you've you've agreed with the lie. So you know, but right now your confessions are you know you you've put distance between the lie because and you need to to keep keep putting more distance because that's not who you are. Um, you you are uh, clothed in a new garment, right? You just heard about a new book, a new golden book. I said new garment for everyone there, right? So you need to take on the new, right? So part of what you need to do is if if you don't journal, if you don't take notes, you need to start taking notes because you need, you need you need more than just your memory of this experience. You need to be able to review the memory. So that means getting this tape or CD or message when it, and it is recorded, so you'll be able to get that too. So. But you need to write down to remind yourself you were there when everyone in the room became new. We're free from our past, right? We're, we're free to go forward. Everyone's free to go forward, not just some, right? Not just the American guy, not just Paula, but everyone is going forward. We're all in this together, right? God is for us, not just for the few. You know, that lie that... But, look... It's not the issue. I believe all that. No, 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 no. I, I know you believe that. it. That's not but the point. Yeah. The, problem, the problem is it doesn't connect to my heart. Yeah, it's, that's the problem. Yeah. I believe everything God says about me, but it doesn't connect inside. It doesn't, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't go boom, revelation. That's the problem. You know, it, you know? Actually, yeah. it, it's interesting because oh. as you were talking, you missed it. What I was seeing was a gold crown, and I believe that there's been a crown of limitation that has been set on. So it looks like a kingly crown, but there's no jewels on it. And, and I know it, it's like, you know, that mindset and paradigms. And then I've seen the crown of thorns, and I know, Shelley, you, you see and you know how to put that on. But when we come into that, that's the mind of Christ because he's paid for it all. But then it's kind of like as we shift those paradigms and mindsets, then the connection comes between the head and the heart. Yeah. And um, and and I feel because it's out of the heart that we think, 
and it's also you know the thoughts and intents of the heart so um, I feel that as we deal with the mindsets and the paradigms take off that false crown and we um, come into the crown of thorns and the renewal of the mind because that's the access point because that's our kingly crown as well that the Lord by our faith will connect the heart and the mind because we actually think in our heart we don't actually think in our head does that make sense yeah that does make sense so so Shelly the scripture that's helped me in the whole working thing because I I would prefer to work and earn the things that I want you know um but the work that we're called to do is there's a scripture, John um, chapter 6, verse 29. In the Amplified, it says, and Jesus replied, this is the work that God asks of you. So this is God, you know, with the highest authority, that you believe in the one who was sent. Now, I would prefer that God would say, okay, Wally, I want you to spend two hours with those ladies in New Zealand that's a work because they're they're a busy bunch of group, you know. Spend two hours there and then go fast for three days. Give me a list that I can go do. But that's not what God asks of me to do. Now, my I can make up a bunch of things which I think I should do, but the only thing God wants me to work on is believing, which means I need to address my beliefs belief systems, which you which you started. But see, all, what we've done is you've started dealing with those things, but the way we kill them is we replace those thoughts with um, either revelation that he's spoken to us or scriptures which we find, okay? And then we've got to replace our current understandings with his understandings. And that's the work because some of the things we believe are really, really, really been there a long time, right? And it takes more than one day, one meeting to replace the way we perceive, the way we understand, the way we see ourselves. So that's the work, is, is undoing some things. But the good thing is, is the grace that we receive from that throne will make it easier, but still there's a work that we have to do. But it's a good work, not a dead work. That's the difference. Does that make sense to you, Shelley? And that's good too because um, we haven't actually been taught to work with understanding and it's actually understanding that knits it all together like a bubble. Right. And we think, you know, we've been dealing in group with being fragmented and compartmentalizing and, and um, moving through that. So do you um, want to lead us in a prayer or do you want me to do that? Ah, uh, I'm just so frustrated. I got a scripture um, about being transformed to the renewing of your mind by the water and washing of your word. Mm. I just think, you know, isn't God a simple God? He says, "Come like a kid, come yeah. like a child," and all this stuff it just seems so much. I'm like, God, why do we have to learn so freaking much just to get to know you? And it's just it's just, you know, the frustration. Yeah. I'm like, look, yeah. that's what feels like work to me. So what, what she's just identified is sitting as a gatekeeper, as a king in the gate. Because the truth is, it's something. Yeah. 
The truth is, we can't as simple children. Yeah, so that that is true. So we actually just need to pick out, and that's that golden crown. It's actually a crown that has affected our paradigms and mindsets, and it sits um, blocking us because we think it has to be an intellectual theology and knowledge, but we actually experience God out of our spirit and out of our heart because he speaks to us in our heart. heart. He doesn't speak to us in our mind. Sorry, I was going to say, if I could share, when I did my gateways, I um, when I went into my imagination, I saw like a, a gate that was had this big lock and, and chains. And as soon as I broke that and allowed the Holy Spirit to come in that area, my my I could see even see better. Yep. It's awesome. Yeah, and I, I saw that big crown beforehand, but I didn't know what it was. So, okay. Sorry. It's all right, and Steph, never apologize for your gift. Thank you. You're always received, my darling. Thank you. And you brought confirmation, so thank you. Okay, so Father, in this place before your throne, we acknowledge where we have accepted the lie of religion. We acknowledge where we have accepted the lie of the Catholic Church that has put a priest in the gate of our relationship and our theology and our thinking, where we think we have to know another language before we can encounter you. We take authority over every king that sits in our gate of relationship and we choose to decrown it and we take that false crown off our because the crown that Christ wore at Calvary gave us his mind and it is that simple so we receive that place and we give up the paradigms and the mindsets and the mind control and the matrix and the false reality that we have been sewn into that is our worldview. We divorce it, we renounce it, and we smash those foundations and structures, and we step into the simplicity of knowing you as a small child because you sat with us as children, you played with us, you whispered and you talked and you took us on journeys and we dreamed and we had fun. So we come into fun into the simplicity of joy and relationship and right now we receive understanding that will knit our heart back into the heart of the Father and we choose to step into your heart and to sit at rest in your heart to be we, we, we align our heartbeat with the heartbeat of the Father through Jesus and we enter the rest and we agree that it is finished. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. I just saw a big seal just being stamped. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you that you have stamped us with the King's seal. And we choose to turn from every lie of the enemy in every place that he has told us that we're not good enough. We serve 
action motors and we release missioning angels to extend our territory and we just pray that you would evict them from our land. Whoa. Whoa. Jesus, that God would just blow it up in Jesus' name. Yeah, that's good. And whoa! Father, 
leader in the body of Christ and as an elder, I repent for making things complex when you told us to teach simply so that children can understand. And I ask that you would give us back language so that we can actually um, share your heart. And I ask that you would restore the gift of storytelling so, because you are a father and you like to tell stories to your children. And, and I just ask that we would understand the stories that you tell us and that you reset us to see the truth of your heart. We wouldn't have that default setting that we must be bad. tell Shelly one story <laughs> if, if she's still there yeah I'm here yeah it's still a long story so Shelly you know one we're on a journey um, I'm 52 years old I've done everything possible to do what I think I need to do and it's it's not been the right things to do in the kingdom let me tell you this one story when I first started going to this church I go to now um, they started a seers group um, I didn't see anything, and I was okay with not seeing. Matter of fact, I had justified my not seeing. So the fourth session, they had a session every set. Our church meets on Saturday nights. So I think the fourth session, this guy he was teaching, this husband wife teaching team, uh, and this guy saw like I don't know. Anyway, so he he, he says um, to the right of the group there is a stream. I look over there, I see no stream. <laughs> he says to the left of the group, there is wild animals. He saw lions and tigers and wolves, and they weren't, they were wild, but they weren't uh, violent. Uh, next to the wild animals, he saw silver trumpets. 
and he said that each of our names were on these trumpets. And he said in the far side of the room, there were angels waiting to talk to us. And I thought, I'm in the front row going, this man is out of his mind. And uh, he's just sharing his imaginations with us. As I thought that, he said, okay, I want everyone to get up and go to different parts of the room and experience what I saw. But I'm like, there's nothing there, <laughs> you know. So I go over to the area where he said there was a little river and the conversations around the river were people, I mean, real people saying, oh, look, the water's so cold. <laughs> Another person says, oh, but the current is so strong. Oh, it's deep, too. And I'm looking at these people going, what are they talking about? So I, I leave the weirdos at the water. I go over to the animal section. And then somebody goes, wow, he's so soft. He's so big. This lion is nice. Oh, but his teeth are sharp. And I'm thinking, okay, you're a lunatic. So I walk over to the to the to the area where he said was the uh, the trumpets, and some lady starts yelling, "I found my trumpet. My name's right here. Oh my gosh, I found my." And I'm looking, there are no trumpets as far as I'm concerned. So I walk over to where the far side of the room where the angels are, and there are people standing there talking to themselves as far as I'm concerned, and um, they're having conversations with themselves. And then I'm about to tell them they're having conversations with themselves when the guy calls us back to their area. And I'm thinking, if this guy asked me if I felt, saw, encountered anything, I'm going to tell him the truth, that he's lost his mind. He just wants people to um, think he's spiritual. And no one's afraid to call him out and you know, to do the emperor has no clothes. So if he calls on me, I'm not going to, you know be nice well he doesn't call me which was good and people shared their little encounters and i thought what a waste of time i'm not going back to this class i am secure in myself i have my bible i have god's love i'm good to go and so that was session four of six or eight uh we at, after class we set up for church you know so as i was setting up for church I thought, I told God, I'm not going back to that class. It's a waste of time. And he says, no, you should go. I said, why? Don't you love me if I don't see? <laughs> yep, I love you. I said, okay. Um, and all, all I can tell you, Shelly, is um, a year later, I still did not see the level of that guy saw or anyone in that group. But what made the difference was is after nine months one of the teachers the wife said to me um are you seeing yet i go nope not at all and i'm okay with that well are you believing you can see i go well no i can't see so i don't believe i can see and says well why don't you try i go you don't understand and i you know went off to do something and the lord started talking to me about why don't you look to see and i said well, lord i can't see why should i look to see if i can't see we went round and round on that loop and what I've, what I've come to understand is um, I, I would shut down before even I had the opportunity to see. And I had all kinds of excuses, and I had dozens and dozens of verses uh, justifying my lack of engaging, lack of encountering. And I could argue with you and give you chapter and verse why it was okay for how I was. And only thing I can tell you is it's, it's a journey. And um, I started seeing a little bit 
but it started when I started believing I could see. And I started changing my, my words about uh, what I thought. I did my best, and this was a tough one, to, I, I wanted to see like they saw. And that was keeping me from seeing altogether. And it's an individual deal. You're not supposed to compare, even though we all compare. Do your best not to try to have an encounter like Paula has, or try to have an encounter like so-and-so has. You're supposed to have a personal one-on-one relationship with the Father. I was very comforted the other day, uh, well, a couple months now ago, when I was reading uh, in Genesis chapter 5, when it says Enoch walked with the Lord for 300 years, then he was taken away. The Lord told me, or I heard in my imagination, however you want to put it, that Enoch walked with God for 300 years and did not see him because he walked by faith. And it was a faith walk, not a sight walk. It was a relationship he built. He never saw him. And I was like, what? I would have thought after, oh, two months or two years, you let him see you, you know. But it wasn't about sight. And it wasn't about that. It was about the relationship. So I, I now do not validate anything I have based on me seeing it. It's based upon what I'm growing in my spirit. And I don't need anyone to validate what I'm sensing or what I'm feeling or what, even what I want to happen. I'm, I'm taking all to the Lord. I'm growing in my intimacy with him. And it's not about me trying to have a, a better testimony than somebody else or even have a testimony. And so when I found when I take the pressure off of me or even on God and just go, <clears throat> I'm happy to walk with you and never see you because Enoch walked with you for 300 years and and after 300 years something happened so I've only walked with the Lord for I'm now I'll be 52 in May right so I've got 248 more years before I have an expectation that I would see God like somebody else did because I don't I don't need that anymore I used to need that but I'm trying not to base my relationship with the father based on me having an encounter or seeing him. And so again, for me, it's a lot less pressure and a whole lot less work. And now I'm having much more fun. And I'd rather have fun than the striving that I was doing. So that's my two cents in my little story. Yeah, no, that's really cool what you said, but you know, you go and see these people like Ian Clad and different ones and they say that encounters should be a normal thing. Well, 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 well when I remember now, when I when I went to that church, and again it's been four years four years ago, I went to that church and I told the pastor that I said uh, encounters are optional. That was my theology at that time. Then I believed encounters are mandatory. I didn't have any yet, but I decided they were mandatory. And because I I had a I understanding that I needed to be changed, and I saw that. I was reading the book of Acts, and I saw that an encounter that Paul had, well, Saul had, that forever changed him. Now, I didn't have encounters. My wife has all kinds of spiritual stuff, and I didn't have any at all. But I decided that I was a candidate for it, okay? And I started opening up for whatever God wanted to do. And, and I didn't want, well, I actually did. I didn't want encounters like the ones I heard about. But I realized that if I wanted it like this, I was limiting myself and actually stopping myself from having something. So I, it started with me going, okay, I want that. I don't know how to get it. Um, everyone else seems to be having them, except for me. Okay, And I used to be very mad about that, and I would be you know, adamant about that. 
Um, but I, all I could do is I, I kept believing. That's all I can tell you is I kept believing and, um, and learned how to believe differently because I thought I was believing okay. But, but I, I decided that I had to believe, and even though I didn't have an encounter, I still was going to have one, even if I didn't have one. And so maybe today's a day. So I, I kept on keeping on, if you will. I'm striving. I feel like it works, and he'll go right. Your homework is, and I'm like, uh, you know. Yeah. And 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 I got to that place where I just wanted to rest, and and like you said, you mystic, I just wanted joy, and because it was it was it got too hard. You know, I I wanted the fruit of being happy and the contentment and having that joy. You shouldn't feel obligated to get to know your father. No, you should not feel obligated to know God. <laughs> and, hey. and those feelings are telling you that you're that you're exactly right. You should not feel that way. And that's and like like Paula said, that's a lie, right? It's a taskmaster. Yeah. Hey, it's not a taskmaster. Yeah. And the and the sad thing is, are you know most churches uh, support that, and they're wrong, right? Yeah. And, and actually, something. This is going to sound bizarre, but I do bizarre, so you know me. Um, God took me through this whole season and one of the things he actually um, said to me, I had to come to this realization that my father in heaven who was a spirit being was not an abusive father who would climb into bed with me and torment me. Wow. And it sounds bizarre but that totally dismantled a whole lot of rubbish that had sat in the spirit realm because it totally, it, all of a sudden it was like, well, hang on, my daddy loves me, so if it's not coming in love, that's the testing of the spirit. It might have the right words, but if I feel condemned or if I'm getting qualified and who do you think you are, and if, if it makes me feel bad, then it's not of God. Yeah. And, and it became a real defining moment for me. That's really yeah, good. that's really good. Yeah. And something yeah. that you that really um, bounce resonated with me and I'd love it if you would um, because there's two things one is I'd still like you to release this realm over us out of relationship because relation you know I'm, I'm kind of over protocol and I've realized that protocol by man has also become an abuse that has allowed other people to sit and control your gate yeah. your relationship father yeah. so relationship and desire is actually the protocol of heaven and there is order in all things, but there's grace for the children as we learn and grow and develop. But you said you don't need people to validate you, and, and that is something I've really struggled with. And, um, you know, recognition. So if you could do, you know, release that, but maybe also, um, I don't know how you do that, or minister, just acknowledge that validation. Because it's actually Father, that was the thing that I love. God put his seal of approval on Jesus and on his ministry and then signs and wonders, you know, in the kingdom of heaven followed him and attested to his words. Right. And I think when we've been blocked and in a religious system, we think a man has to actually validate us and release us. 
but God is the one who commissions people. It's actually never been man. Man just confirms what God's done in the spirit. Right. And it's interesting that seal being stamped and you know the stamp of approval that happened when we were in with the throne of grace and things like that. And I think, you know, it's, it's like that rubber stamping deep within our identity that we know, that we know, that we know that God approves of us. And you're right because we all have different expressions. He's actually not into robots or, you know, cookie cutters. And, and I think we trade our uniqueness because we think we have to be the same as somebody else to receive approval and recognition. And it's a false trading floor. Yeah. 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 And that's the extending of the tent pegs. I can see. Like, you comfortable stepping into that, Mister? Um. Well, I mean, I'm comfortable in, in this part here. So let me just introduce the seven to you guys. That's what I'm comfortable doing right now. So, um, so ladies in New Zealand, I'm introducing to you the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the lover of my soul, known as the spirit of the fear of the Lord. So, these are my friends, and they're your friends also. And so, you've been introduced. And now, on your time, at your where you're at, they want to spend time with you. It's not a force thing; it's a relationship thing. And so, you've been introduced, and so um, be free. Um, yeah, good. The grid and the girl here, we honor and value and wait to them, we recognize them, and we choose to set our desire, and we're willing to engage, and we set aside time them into relationship. Whoa! Hallelujah! Whoa! Kia ora! <laughs> what is that hiding mine? Oh! Wow. wow. And we're going to have to specify that we've got to, we could keep these relationships up and engaging them fully mm. and, and, um, and also keeping up the relationship with the Holy Spirit, the Father, and Jesus. <laughs> the others, I like that bit about what you shared with that you missed it. We don't have to stress about that. It's relationship and they're here and they will. And we and sometimes we won't even know mm. it's actually them because they're not concerned with having their name tag on. Right. Really like that. And I really like and I Yeah. It, it is you know Father, the author mm. and the furniture of our faith. It's him. And we can trust him. 
Yeah. Well, in New Zealand, it's been nice. I need to go. <laughs> and um, so we should have a wonderful day. I'll have a wonderful night. And you guys, uh, thank you so much for letting me participate and play. Yeah. And thank you for, to your wife for releasing you. I know that Sion's a funny term, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And um, we just speak fatness. Yeah. We speak fatness to your spirit, fatness to mm. anointing, fatness to your scroll. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, Numista. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much. God bless you. It was just, it was so God. I you don't I really know how much it impacted me, but yeah, praise God. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye.